Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What is up, everybody? My name is James D. Fury, and this is Blackballed. Ever know those guys that have one of those resumes where you're like, this guy's either lying or he's had one of the most interesting lives ever? I knew a guy named Jay Russell. Jay Russell um, was a was one of the principal dancers at the National Ballet of Canada as a black dude, which was crazy enough. But he was also a rapper who used to pop lock while he, while he rapped. And just like the, the, the night and day of those uh, elements of his bio was always something that everyone was like, wait a second, you're a rapper and you pop lock while you rap and then you're a national ballet, like ballet star? Yeah, that's right. My guest today, uh, to me, would be in that universe where his background, and then I'll, I'll get to how um, we got to know each other uh, a little bit later, but his background is so interesting and eclectic. And uh, what I've been using on promos is uh, describe him as follows, which is all true. He is an award-winning ad director. He did that for, for many years. He still does that. And uh, he's worked for like big agencies and he's been independent. He's done all that, but he's done ads that you've seen. And we'll get to that later as well. He's also, it's weird when I call him a punk rock guy because he, he's not like a musician, but like his look and sort of the way he is, is like punk rock. Like, you know, he's got it. He looks cool. Like, you know, he's a cool looking guy good fashion sense but very himself oh and by the way he's also an avid birder with tattoos all over his body that relate to being a birder yeah that's right um and also as i abruptly end my intro he is such an enthusiast of the what would you call it like the birding <laughs> the birding lifestyle that he made a movie and We'll talk about these behind the scenes stuff with the movie in a second, but I'm going to play the trailer and then I'm going to introduce them. So first we're going to watch or listen, depending on where you are, this trailer.
I love that song. I don't know who it is, but Paul will tell me because my guest today is Paul Riz. Paul, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your um, shared accommodation flat in uh, Danforth area. Where <laughs> I, this is how, but you know what the funny thing is, is that I. It sounds like I'm poking fun at your drapes. It really is just an indication that I know nothing about anything that looks good aesthetically. <laughs> And you know? neither do I. My, my wife just put these here. You always live in a house, though, that's like, you know, it's like a like a Tarantino character owns the house or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, like, that, that's all due to Rachel. I mean, she's like, I, I literally just live here. And I know it sounds like so dumbass. Sexist. Sitcom wife? It sounds yeah, like sitcom. Like, yeah. It's not that at all. It's just that Rachel has an incredible ability to make a space look great and feel comfortable and interesting and like our house that we you know all the houses we've had are just it's it's like a like an ever-evolving art piece of hers and um yeah so that's 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 the trade I, I say this I say this with love but she really is the half that props you up like 100 yeah, yeah. we'll, yeah, we'll know, get to her I, later you know people say the better half thing it's like yeah like better and a half i don't know if that makes sense. it's not only a better half but like you both have not just accepted but have organically grown into the roles of she is the universe and you're you're one of her main planets but not not quite the universe <laughs> right yeah, like, yeah i would agree i would agree yeah but you're happily like that too i'd love that I, you guys are always the quinn we're always kind of like that's the cool couple that's the couple that it's going to show the rest of us and look at you now. Uh, I always like people would always tell, tell us that kind of shit. And I'm like, I have no idea how that happened for me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I like, I really would say that Rachel, uh, Rachel saved me. She returned hmm. me to my family. Uh, I was gone. I was, I was out of it for a while. I like was drinking a significant amount. Luckily, not enough to put me down the, the path of never having another drink again because yeah. I was having a drink. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I was lost. I was pretty lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that might be a good time to tell everybody that you're my ex brother in law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, should I, should I just keep it professional? And not say, no, no, fuck it. I'm going to, like, you know, eventually we have to get to that. So I've known you then since like 1994 right something like I, that yeah if i had a if i had a mind for numbers i might be able to confirm that yeah and to me i i always really like you i always thought you were cool and um far and away much better than any of the other boyfriends my sister had. <laughs> you know really and uh and we hit it off rather quickly and like and then you married my sister we we became close and everything i remember thinking like like you were like if keanu reeves and folk singer hayden had a bastard you were kind of like that guy <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah 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 i totally get it and, and it's funny too because like uh you know i was married to your sister and that didn't work out but that's fine you know it is what it is but like everybody says when i when i talk about you because we've known each other a long time and they're like well how do you know that guy i'm like oh i used to be married to his sister and they're like what you stayed in contact with her brother I'm like yeah, people yeah british yeah. they're british people right that that say that shit <laughs> that just people people yeah uh, you know, and, and they're like kind of like talking about it as if it's weird and i say you know what james and i got along 
uh, we became friends through my marriage to his sister. And just because my marriage to his sister didn't last does not mean that I have to like, I don't know. It's like everybody thought I should just, as I'm driving over the bridge, uh, just throw a a cocktail behind me and just blow the shit up. Right. It's like that only, that would, that would have only made sense is if you like, like, smacked my sister or something and you know what i mean like that that would only like apply to something like that but the situation was a little bit different and you know and and we're not going to get into that but it's interesting like uh we were talking off air earlier today about how sometimes like the most like oh my god the darkest um places that you can be in your life and and how you got there ends up being like that first domino to the rest of your life that is fucking amazing you know and which is a really hard place to get to you know, it takes years, right? Like, yeah, it really does. And that, like people often say, like, uh, they ask me questions about my when they find out that I've been married before Rachel, they're just like, what? There was somebody you thought was like the right person for you. That's not her. And uh, I said, well, I how would I know she was the perfect woman? Had I like I didn't know her. I never met her. Yeah. Uh, you, and- you know, what's a fun thought experiment. <laughs> is to imagine that you're propelled back to 1993 and the only way that you will ever secure Rachel and your kids again is if you go exactly as possible the life path you the first time around so you'd have <laughs> you'd have to like court my sister and marry her the whole time knowing what's going to happen you had to let it happen <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah I'm telling you right now I would do it yeah it wasn't necessarily fun for your sister or me at when we decided not to be together anymore, like it just, but I wouldn't change a thing. Like I'm we're I'm, I'm strangely happy with my life for a creative person. Cause you know, people are always like saying we're damaged goods and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, you know, we are, Well, you had good parents though, you know, which is everything. I think it's everything, right? Yes. Yes. I really did. And, Here's a story. I don't even know if I've told you this, but it's not it's not bad, I don't think. But the night before I married your sister, the night before I was at my par- I was talking with my parents and they said, are you sure? Be sure. And I said, uh, I think I'm sure. And they said, well, we're not sure. And oh. I was like, oh, well, um, OK, uh, and they said, well, what are you going to do if it doesn't work out? And I just pointed at my dad because he had been married before my mom, too. Oh, okay. And, and and so I just pointed at him and I said, I'll do what he did. I'll find someone like you second up. And they were like, really? That's how you're going to go into a marriage? And I was, well, I just said, yeah, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going into it how I feel right now. And, and no like, offense, no offense to your parents, but the night before your wedding, they're like, we don't know about her. <laughs> it's like, thanks, mom and dad. Like, yeah. You know, hey, you could have like said, like, I, I did actually say it's too fucking late now. I'm not going to like destroy some girl's life just because you guys aren't sure. Like, mm. it's not. Yeah. I'll wait do. for my turn. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we won't get into it. Let's no, no, no. That's fine. Well, I mean, someone's always got to be the one that leaves, right? Let's put it that way. Right? You know, you're yeah. either the person that left or you're the person that got left, right? Like, Listen, I would say that um, it was uh, it was not good for me, like the way it all went down. Uh, however, I am uh, with with much reflection now. I would say I was kind of a shitty husband. 
Yeah, you said that to me, and and, and that it's interesting. Um, it, it, it's probably true to a certain extent because I think we all kind of are, in a way, right? Like, you know, like the the, the whole um, it's contagious of uh, the effort that one puts in or to it, to the work of a marriage, and and how levels will kind of even out. So if one person's dragging you know, behind a little bit, then the other person drags behind and becomes stale and stuff. As soon as, if, especially if you're a guy, you find yourself saying this a lot. What's wrong? Are you okay? <laughs> it's already over, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're, exactly. It's, it's gone. I, yeah. I mean, I, I just think that it was what it was and uh, it wasn't like, I just would do it again. Yeah. I had a lot, I, her and I had a lot of fun, but I will say this. Um, I was not friends with your sister first. We mm. met in school, in, in, in college, and we, it sounds so weird to say, but we fell in love, I guess. Um, I just never used She's also trying to find a way to not have to hang out with Jesse, I think, but go on. Uh, that could be. I stayed, I stayed friends with him, too. Yeah, I know. Like, I didn't have any problem with that. He was, he was a weird little dude, but I yeah. like weird. Really like big weird arms weird for such a short little guy, eh? Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. odd. Did he inject yeah. himself or was that real shit? This kid no, was no. like, because I'm five six and he, I towered over him. I felt like, yeah, he was tiny, but he was so into kung fu, he could kick my yeah. ass, at anybody's ass. He was very yeah. high level kung fu, so like, I never would want to get into it with him. But I used to actually train with him. Like he was teaching me for a while, and um, that was, we were at a party once and he kept on trying to like, he kept on grabbing me and sort of like quickly jerking me, but not really moving me at all at the same time. Like, you know, and I was just like, what are you doing? Dude? And I'm really ticklish on the sides. And so we, that's kept, we kept on doing it there, but he wouldn't stop. And I looked at you. I remember I was like, what, what am I supposed to do here? I don't think I could beat him up, but I'm very pissed off right now, Paul. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would just like take my, take my thing. If like, if you're in a situation where you know, you're not going to win the fight, shit on him. Yeah. Yeah. With, oh my God. Wow, that's brilliant. You, or you could throw it at him. That's just as effective, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> just, you just like you, you just do something like you, you make yourself vomit or like yeah. you just do something repulsive and then they'll leave you alone. If you carry around a Gatorade jug of urine, <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> punch that guy. I don't, I'm not going to punch that guy. He's soaked in urine. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, okay, so, um, so that's good. We got that out of the way. That's good. So you, but I want to chronologicalize it a little bit because um, I find it really interesting, like sort of how it all developed. So professionally though, um, and I'm going to play uh, one of the things, uh, what would you call it? Like part, you know, a part of your portfolio, your, of yeah. your, of your award-winning work, you know, it's quite you're gonna good. you're going to play what I think you're going to play, it's my career high. And it was like probably 13 years ago now. Um, if we were to set this up, it would be, I, I would, I, I'd want to say just one thing. Um, because of your interest in art and music and things like that, um, which I think is a very kind of like, not like a, you're not an ideologue or anything, but you have a little bit of a buck the establishment kind of vibe to you, right? Like, uh, you yeah. know, outside the box and all that. And then you work literally in the devil's den, <laughs> creating advertisements and commercials, right? Yeah. But I, Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say your personality type and the things that you like and the cool things that you like and that interest you um, sort of like permeated in a great way in the ad world. And it reminds me of my friend Sheldon. He, used to, he, he passed away last year. Um, rest in peace, Sheldon. Love you. Um, and he, he, was, he was a guy that made hip hop beats. And he 
he, I can't remember who the artist, but it was like a Britney Spears kind of thing. He he got the gig to like polish up an existing track and program beats. And the producer was like, don't make it too dirty, Sheldon. Okay, not don't make it too gritty. And Sheldon was like, no problem. And then he's like, and then I found the dirtiest fucking drums I could find. And I did it. And, and the producer's like, perfect. <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of like you with the ad world, like coming up with an unconventional idea and then uh, and having the critics uh, of, of, of the idea be like, I don't think this is going to work. Blah, blah, blah. And um, do you, do you want to say anything before I show it? Because I love this. I love this spot. Yeah, I, I would say I got to give a shout out to my writer partner, Matt Antonello, who did this with me. Like we worked together for eight, um, eight years and we, did, we had so much fun doing what you're about to show but i will say this uh like from a not not solely because of this spot but because of this one and a few others that some of my colleagues at my at ddb the agency i worked at um when we first landed the account that people will see the logo at the end um they it's an automotive account i assume is that correct you can say the fuck you can say the name paul okay so it's a subaru thing and when we first started working on subaru they were selling roughly 15,000 cars a year in Canada. And by the time we sort of like, by the time I left the agency to go out on my own, uh, they were selling 65,000 yeah. a year. Like it really, and, like, it, and it's a causation, not just a coincidence like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I cannot like take sole credit because there was another spot before this one. There's the one after that was really oh, good. Take the credit. I'm giving it to you. You can't yeah, give it to yourself. You, you um, that, and people that are, People that are listening on Apple and Spotify and other platforms, um, if you wanted to look at the ad that we're uh, talking about, I'll tell you what it is at the end. Uh, go to YouTube slash Blackwell with James DeFury and, uh, and check it out there. So here, let's take a look at it. About the belly. Japanese SUVs just got a little sexier. In the all-new 2009 Subaru Forester. It's sorry. It's one of those ads where the execution has to be fucking flawless. So yeah. you're not like called like racially insensitive, stereotyping or anything. For those who um, were listening and, and didn't, um, I still think go go to my uh, but. It, it's the ad that I know that you'll remember with the sumo wrestlers doing the car wash thing and they're they're behaving exactly like sexy women would when they were doing the car wash thing, right? Yeah. And that juxtaposition and, and that kind of contrast. And you can only get away with it if that's men, for one thing, which is which is good. I like that. That's what but makes you, it you, good, that it's not yes. it's not the woman from Cool Hand Luke, but that's for the that's that was the reference. Yeah, because you can't smack a woman's Big old ass with a towel on a commercial, but you can to a sumo wrestler. Yeah. And, and you, and I love those little kind of pockets of like, 
um, exceptions. Do you know what I mean? Like where theoretically smacking someone's naked, almost naked ass with a towel on a, on an automotive commercial would be like, Oh, obviously you can never do that no matter what. And Paul's like, hold my ear. Cause I think I found a way. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I should say that as much as when, like when you see that and when I show it to people and they're like, Oh my God, how did you ever think of that? And it's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to say it was easy. We had a lot of other ideas in and around this sexy thing, but um, that 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 thing we just watched that seems like it's crazy and seems like it's way over the top and everything, it is not. Yeah. It is strategic. So the thing about Subaru, when we started working on it, was there was confusion because of those uh, Paul Hogan commercials. Nobody knew it was Japanese, and we all we did a bunch of research beforehand, and we found out that uh, people don't like. People don't. People don't want a car like that. That they don't know where it comes from, and maybe it's from Australia. I'm not sure. But what we did know was that Honda, Toyota, are very popular cars, and they're Japanese made, and people trust a Japanese vehicle. Quality is built in. Like that's just like price of entry. So yeah. all we had to do was tell people it was a Japanese vehicle, and tell them in a really engaging and memorable way and that that's how you get a bunch of sumo sumo car wash thing and were there were there ideas that like didn't make it like um eating sushi off sumos that are lying down and stuff on top of cars uh actually we did a follow-up to that commercial because it was so popular we were made to do a follow-up which is like Uh oh the sequel yeah it's almost the kiss of death right but it's actually it actually worked out pretty good um, we used a Peaches. I was like very adamant about a Peaches song because I needed it to have that punch and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it's like in that one, we actually have a woman feeding a sumo wrestler. Like, I think the, the line for it was sexy comes standard. And we, so we just had people in their Subarus, but every single time it came with a sumo wrestler whenever you got one. So there was like one yeah. moment where a woman was at a at, at a market at the you know her sumo or Subaru was parked in front of the market, and there she was buying strawberries. And there's a sumo wrestler on the thing, and she reaches over and feeds him a little strawberry. So was, <laughs> just all subtle, like yeah, yeah, like, just like she turns and goes like that, and he takes a bite. And you know, there's another scene where there's a couple sitting on the beach in 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 uh, Vancouver, looking out at the ocean, and but their view is blocked because there's a massive sumo wrestler sitting on the windshield. It's just a giant bum. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was also fun. That must have been fun to brainstorm though. Like what can we get away with? Like could you do a close up of sumo boobs with women hands on them and then as you pan out you realize it's not women's breasts? Like would you be able to do? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think yeah. um Yeah, I mean we also had this other idea that I thought was really fun and so did my partner and it was it was like this whole deer in the headlights thing, you know, when you're driving and Subarus are outdoorsy vehicles. So mm. it's natural to get a deer caught in the headlights. And so it was a deer in the headlights moment. But then in that moment, the deer falls madly in love with the vehicle. And eventually it ended up around by the tailpipe. <laughs> like, are you serious? Oh, yeah, yeah. We never made it. Like, we didn't even present it. It was too much. There's a, there's a European um, car ad. I don't know if you remember this, where the woman like parks the car, she takes off her scalp, and then she puts her hair back, and then she starts giving head to the stick shift, <laughs> and that's that's the whole app. And then it fades out, and then the 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 car company comes on. I was just like, 
okay, that's that is kind of dope. I can't tell why Europe is allowed to get away with these things. <laughs> well, maybe they're a little bit less sexually repressed than us. Is that what it is? Because it feels like you know, now that pornography is everywhere, they're not really all that repressed anymore. Yeah, that's true. You know? That commercial was probably a long time ago. However, you still yeah. could not do that commercial in Canada. <laughs> so you want I, I want so so you did the ad thing for for a long time, and you were really good at it. You won a lot. Um, you've done a lot of ads that a lot of people have seen. And but I also know that like during that time you spent a lot of time in nature and you spent a lot of time um you know like you were in Orno for a long time yeah. and you live in a cool part of Hamilton now and you have all these like you know uh, summer adventures up at Manitou and Island stuff. Where did the birding thing come from? And at first was it therapeutic so that you could like shed all the nasty evil corporate stuff off your body? <laughs> That's funny. Uh... No, yeah, you know, the birding thing came when I was really young. I was a birder when you knew me before, when I was younger. and, and yeah, but it Really? Was not, yeah, yeah, but I was very quiet about it. <laughs> were you too embarrassed uh, to tell us that you were a birder? Maybe a little bit. Like, like it, it was kind of... I, can I, was, I suggest that it's because of the word birder? Uh, it's, I, can I suggest that it's because of the word bird watcher? <laughs> and all the negative, well, yeah. all the stereotypical shit that goes with that. Um, What's the Latin name for bird? Let's change this right now. <laughs> Aves, A V E S. There it is. I'm an Aves watcher. Why? I'm an, what the fuck? I'm an Aver. <laughs> yeah. There's right. actually a punk band in uh, Coburg called Aves. They're of course there is. Yeah, I like them. They're <laughs> funny. They do like sort of like, uh, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's insulting to them to say bubblegum punk, but it's like, it's sort of like Green Day type. Yeah. Punk, That's know, pretty like, pop, pop punk. Yeah, pop punk, and but like they're really good guys. The music is fun. They literally sing about birds. Like they talk about cardinals and how red they are. They got a song about how red cardinals are. That, that's Great. the thing about birds. So, so like, listen. I know. I, I want you to talk about it a little bit, but just just to let you know, front the the caricature in my mind of a birder is often that like how they're like the stamp collectors of the nature interest portfolio. Yeah. You know, like they, they know so much they could talk to you about. And even the ones that will say they know very little compared to their colleagues or their peers in the birding communities, they still know a billion times more than everyone else. And so it feels like it's weird. It's like, um, you know, like these snooty um, record store guy. And then he realizes he's met his man. The customer comes in. He's like, actually, that was 1968. And the studio was in Tennessee. They, knew. <laughs> Fuck. Right. they have to, like, make way for the guy who's smarter than them in music. But birding is a really... Tell, tell us how you got really into it then, I guess, um, you know, in the last 10 years or so. Um, because I thought it kind of, like, reached a... Like, you, you really kind of put the foot on the gas as far as that part of your I life did. goes. Yeah. I, I, I really did. And, I, again... Here I am going back to my lovely wife, Rachel. Uh, she bought me one year for my 30th birthday. Yeah, I was already, your sister and I were already split up, and Rachel and I were together. I don't know that we were married yet, but we had bought a house in Parkdale. And for my 30th birthday, she gave me, or for Christmas when I was 30, I can't remember 100%. I get sieve memory. Um, but okay. she, she bought me a book about cataloging your bird sightings when I was 30. And so I think she's fucking smart too. Ain't eh? Jesus oh, Christ. Way too smart. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of my depth and, and yeah, punching above your right class for sure. Go ahead. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, she, she, she bought me this book and said, I know you love it. Why don't you spend more time doing it? And so I did made this decision that I was going to 
like erase my life list of every bird that I'd seen. Cause I've been birding since I was like 11 with my dad. He got mm. me into it. So I, I, I just decided to start over and I just started birding at that point. And you're right. Like what I did was I, like I, I hit the gas like hardcore. Yeah. And, and I, you like, made these two worlds collide. Uh, like, yeah. you know, like that trailer, which I played at the, at the outset was, you know, is you, Tell us, I won't do it justice. Tell us the, the sort of like vibe of the story uh, of the, so I, I have the graphic here, I think, um, of the movie, them out. Um, I think it was, I don't know, five years or something, or maybe less than that before you came up with the concept for a punk rock big year. And that was this movie and it's called The Big Year. Um, it, I'm sure it's the funniest movie ever because Jack Black is in it. Um, you know, so you would think, but it's not his best work. It's not. Who cast this? Look at that cast. Oh, okay. Steve, so... Steve Martin, Jack Black, and Owen Wilson. Like, I can't imagine chemistry happen on that set. Okay, go ahead. It was not. It was not a great movie. I'll be honest. It wasn't a great movie. But I don't. Obviously, those three actors are exceedingly capable uh, of doing great, great funny things. It just didn't. It just was no chemistry. Now I read the book way before that movie was made. The book, The Big Year. I would recommend it to anybody to read, bird interested or not. It is about obsession. It is about being the best. It is competitive. It is. It's. It's just a really good book. It's written by a guy yeah. named Umbasmith or something like that. I can't remember the exact guy's exact name. Uh, but I know that the real man who plays Jack, like that Jack Black plays. Uh, oh, okay. I haven't seen him in years because of COVID, but... Um, is he watching his cholesterol, the guy that you know? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Kidding. But I, Jack was actually really well cast. Like, Jack Black yeah. was really well cast for to, to play him because he he's... And he is like... Um, if, if you know the story of this guy, he was working on the Y2K bug when he was doing his big year. And the thing that was so wow. great about that character was that the other two guys were wealthy the other two guys are rich people and wealthy people can bird easier than non-wealthy people right because they can hop on a flight and go to alaska over the weekend and come back right but um you know this guy wasn't like that he didn't have as much uh, financial um you know freedom and he did this big year and was competing with two of the best birders in North America. Well, most accomplished listers, I'll call them that. And he like kept, he, he, he was punching way above his weight. Like he kept up with them. Wait, there's like an official organized contest. It's not just people doing their own thing. No, it is people doing their own thing, but it is very um, like, we all watch it. Uh, there was a young boy right. named Kaya Jasper that, uh, or sorry. Uh, yeah, it's Kaya Jasper. I think you pronounce it Kaya. Um, he just did a big year just in Ontario this year, and he myrtleized the record. Like this, this young fellow, he just destroyed the record. It was amazing to watch him do it. And you know, what was it? Okay, no, wait, hold on. Let's 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 zone in on that. What was amazing about watching him do it? Like like what? What? what like like, like oh wow, look at that form. The way he went and then turned. <laughs> no, like. not at all, not at all that. <laughs> I've seen him sprint before for a bird, uh, like running. So, okay, so one particular day near the end of his big year so it the way a big year works is you spend one year you define a geographical geographical area his was ontario as was mine he, he like mm. thought two and a half times the amount of birds i did uh but 
so you 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 set this geographical area and you spend 365 days one calendar year seeing as many species as humanly possible in that area so uh one day i went to look at a very special owl that was uh roosting in a certain place that usually gets owls in the winter not too far from hamilton and he was there and he was just birding around for other things and I walked down to the lake and there was a bunch of other people at the lake, just, you know, peers and friends and whatnot. They were just there because it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful day. And this bird flies past and it's like more of an Eastern bird. It's called the Northern Gannet. And it's, it's, I mean, people that don't know birds would say, oh, so a seagull with a weirdly thick bill. Um, well, they'd probably say beak. And, and yeah. it was just really cool. And I texted him because we're all on Discord, like a bunch of nerds. And so I texted him and said, <laughs> and I knew he needed a Northern Gannet because I'd asked him 15 minutes earlier. My buddy Andrew and I asked him. And so I texted him, Northern Gannet at the lake. And then like two minutes later, this young man, fully out of breath, is sprinting across a field and running up the hill. And he got it. Is that a technique? Like, <laughs> no? no, when you get to that level, right? Like he was... When I say it was amazing to watch, is about, for me, it was about, I just love to see people so dedicated to something. So dedicated, yeah. right? Like, that guy, if something showed up in Rainy River, he would, like, get in a car and drive to Rainy River, which is, like, next to Manitoba, if anybody doesn't know, and then come back, like, go there for, like, one day see what he needed to see and then drive back again is there like a tipping point among the bird watching community where it becomes less about the bird and more about the the notch and you got to be careful that you don't go too notch about the species of birds itself like like if does it feel like are there collectors versus passionate people i guess my question is yeah there's both like i mean with anything yeah. there's both extremes right for me i did a big year just to try and change people's perspective on what a birder look like and i so i did it in a way that was catchy right I had a hook i was like gonna tattoo the latin name of every species i saw on my body which i did do um yeah. so <laughs> show that again show that again your forum so that is all the latin names of the two what was it 234 two two yeah 234 of them. and is it like all over your body or just like on your yeah. arms or yeah it's all, it's all over my body i got i got let me ask you this did you put one on your bird i did curious. not Okay. However, just... I was going to put one on the inside of my lip, but I just never got around to it. Um, it was the rarest one I saw. I was just going to write it inside my lip. It would be. It would oh, that... Been oh, that... no, that would. There's a movie. It's a John Hughes movie where someone goes like that and it says something. I can't remember what it says. Um, I, think, I think it says, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> or like blowjobs are fun or something. I can't yeah, remember what it says. Something yeah. like, something like <laughs> yeah, that. Oh, right. no. I think that the I love you thing I'm thinking of is in Indiana Jones when he's hmm. teaching in the class and the girl does a slow blink and it says, I love you on her eyelids. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's funny how pop culture really poisons our brains, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that I, I, I've been interviewing a lot of cult people over the last year, uh, people who are, have escaped this particular cult. And um, I, I've been hanging around one um, quite a bit named Richard Marsh, who um, they tried to kidnap him and uh, he blew the whistle on this whole fraud in, in the UK and, Anyways, um, I notice how, how my pop references because um, he's like, I don't understand what that means. And it'll be like a Star Wars reference. And I'd be like, you know, like Darth Vader. He's like, I, I don't know who 
Mr. Darth Vader is. I, I have no, and I'm just like, this is what an odd crazy. name. You know, but he's like a blank slate. And uh, he, he was up here. We had a working weekend and we didn't get around to doing it, but he's never seen Goodfellas. Right? Oh, my goodness. Like, do you know what that's like? Contact high you get from being with someone who hasn't experienced something that you've experienced like a thousand times. I love that. I know what that's called. If there's probably a German name for it. Yeah, likely. It's sort of, yeah, it's, it's the opposite of a shot included. Uh, it, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I've had, so I can, I can like riff on that a little bit and say, I've seen probably like 99% of the species you can see in Canada and may on, on land in Canada. I don't do pelagic trips out in the ocean because I've got vertigo issues and I just don't, I don't, I don't see the point of going out for four or five hours on a boat vomiting for all of those hours with the odd book <laughs> now, that a bird here and there. <laughs> now, now you remind me of this guy. I, I, I'm allergic to grass and water. I don't want to be outside all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I know I'm, I'm like, I'm a little bit. Would it, would it be controversial if a birder um, did a big year and his thing was to see how many birds he could eat? How many different yeah, that'd birds be, he could that'd eat? That'd be pretty controversial. I mean, as long as there were It's just always chickens. <laughs> yeah. He's got one. I, mean, I got one. I, I I've eaten some wild birds before. Like I'm I'm not I'm I'm a hunt I'm not a hunter, but I'm a hunting advocate. I I like yeah. hunters are more they do more for conservation than birders have done ever for conservation. And yeah, people don't understand that because it's such a weird like juxtaposition or whatever. Like you're like, oh so killing it for sport is better for animals? You know, it's like yeah. the, it's like the right wing that are like it snowed in July. Climate change is not real. So it's just like, no, that's that's actually proof that it probably is. Real. Yeah, it's okay. like climate change, ding dong. It's like it's yeah. a name for a reason. Um, Climate's always changing. <laughs> yeah, I know. But we've detonated like thousands of nuclear bombs. Anyways, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. For for that, I mean, I, I'm. They 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 buy massive chunks of land and they are undisturbed because they want to go there and shoot those birds. And I got no problem with that. Uh, I'll eat them. I, it, only if they eat them. Yeah. If yeah, they yeah. eat them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, and generally they do. Um, you know, I've uh, I've eaten roadkill several times. If, what if kind I had... of roadkill have you eaten, Paul Riss? Well, one <laughs> And was Rachel I... there to not? And where was Rachel? And how did she take the news? <laughs> I was with her dad. <laughs> We're driving along. Yeah. Well, he, he, he lived up north, 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 like real north, like north of Thunder Bay for a very long time. Have you and seen the Jeffrey Dahmer series? <laughs> I have. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, I didn't watch that for a lot of reasons. But okay. uh, the, 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 um, we were driving down the road one day in, up in the middle of nowhere, and there was a, a grouse that was on the ground. What, what people often will call a partridge. It's actually a roughed grouse is what his real name is. It was on the road okay. side. And we stopped because it looked like it was in good shape and we got out and picked it up and was like, Oh, this is still warm. I bet you that car that just was going the other way, hit it. And he was right. like, Oh, cool. And he literally on the spot, just fucking turned it inside out, ripped its oh. skin and feathers off, threw that in the ditch. He's like, that'll compost. And then we went home, we ate it. <laughs> and then, and how long was he touring with the grateful? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's got a massive beard too. Like... I don't know. I'm just guessing from the whole, like when some, you know how some people are just like what you just described. 
Oh, and he just in a, in like two point four seconds decided to turn a bird inside out and clean it on the spot. Yeah, uh, be, and and just like and probably look at you like what, you, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Well, I didn't have a problem with it because I was like, cool. I'm gonna get gross for dinner. This stuff's delicious. Um, and I mean, yeah, yeah, better than. I'd be the I'd be the hypocrite who was like, oh my god, I can't believe I just saw that. Of course, I'll have a leg. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> exactly. And really, there's not much on the legs though. Like, it's all it's all breast. That's what you eat on them. Have um, you ever met anyone that's been able to make an edible meal out of wild turkey in this province? Uh, I'm not aware of it. No, yeah. I've never eaten a wild turkey. Um, oh, I've been around about five or six attempts of people. Oh, no, I swear. No, no. Trust me, this is so like no it doesn't it's like uh it's like uh artificial processed duck meat that's still really tough and nasty <laughs> it's it's awful yeah i mean i've eaten i haven't eaten wild turkey um i've eaten uh canada goose i've eaten snow goose i've eaten grouse um if people find out that you can eat canada geese they're just gonna do it a spite because everyone hates them yeah, yeah, man, delicious cobra chickens. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, hey, there's enough Canada geese that we could eat a few, and the population would be just fine. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to get to some of your art now too, because I always sort of knew. That's what I knew you as first. I didn't know you as a graphic designer in the advertising industry. I knew you as an artist. Uh, you used to do these. What the one painting that stands out? Um, and uh, from from back in the day was uh, you you painted this thing for my sister. And it was like, I think it was a hand holding a realistic bloody heart. And you were like, I give you, I just remember, I give you my heart, but then I'd be dead. I used to love your sister. <laughs> I, no, but that was kind of like what I liked about you was just like that off, you know, that's, that, that I never seen anything like that. But I grew up in Whitby. Yeah. The most creative thing I ever saw was the way Tanky pitched. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I until I honestly until like I had a, a, a in looking back at uh, my teenage years until like ninety seven or ninety eight even or something like that. I don't think I even had like a deep conversation with anybody. Like like and and by the way, I have a theory. You want to hear my theory on on all this shit? Yeah. Generation X was the first generation to grow up where they had to invent a culture from scratch. Because our parents, my parents in particular, who were Dutch and Italian and grew up in Dutch-Italian households, passed down exactly nothing to our house in Whitby. So we didn't have a culture. So our culture becomes video games and McCain frozen french fries and road hockey, maybe. Don't forget and the music. Pizzas, the two that come in the little plastic round. Like the pizza pops or whatever the fuck? No, like the little round, two little round pizzas and they were frozen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I used to microwave those like an idiot. But... um. Yeah. But anyways, the point is, is that, that, that like people don't look at it like that, but I really believe that. Like I had a couple friends, anecdotal friends where you go to their house, like one guy was Filipino and you walk in, you're just like, oh, I know that fucking Filipino must cooking something dope in that kid, right? I fucking know it. And it was, it was a departure from white kids house. Yeah. And uh, there was a couple Italian kids that were right. But for art, we were all like cultureless. And I'm not trying to sound all like sad and depressed about it, like a grunge song or something, but it's true. Like we, you can't point to anything. Our 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 culture was Sears, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, I I saw some woman talking about uh, why about Gen Xers and things like that, and 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 she had talked about it like, well, we just we raised ourselves because it was like, um, you know, I mm -hmm. consider my kids all the time when I when I think about 
like what I'm going to do on the weekend or where I'm going to go. Like I think about, and it's not that I didn't have loving parents. I had extremely loving and supportive parents. However, if we were going to Aurora on a Saturday, it's not like I had a choice or no, you know, right? I never got asked, what do you want for dinner? It was more like the food was put in front of me and you eat it or your father yeah. who survived Nazi Germany uh, That's right. gets mad at you for wasting food. He's like, you can't not eat that because you, do you have any idea what it's because he went like six weeks one time he went six weeks and ate nothing but stolen raw eggs right from under chickens and let's talk yeah your dad and so your dad had like the street cred to be able to be like oh i'm sorry did you want me to ask you twice to get in the fucking car yeah. oh <laughs> like, my god man if i ever said to my dad i'm starving he would be he would like i would he wouldn't slap me but in his mind he was hitting me with a baseball bat i'm sure because he yeah. knew what it was like to be starving yeah and I've never- that's a clear exaggeration, Paul. Um, can we like, can we tell your dad's story because I I love it. I, I I've told that story. Um, I wonder how much I have wrong, <laughs> but I've told that story so many times. It's a it's one of the greatest party stories ever. It, it really is. I, um, I- but it's, it's your dad. I'll give you the choice. If you want to if you want to tell the story because I I find it amazing. I was trying to play about it for a while called Road Back to Berlin. It's like if it's yeah. just generic enough, the title maybe they'll like it. <laughs> yeah, I but wish, go ahead, please. Yeah. yeah, I wish I could get that turned into a documentary uh, or oh. whatever. But no, I'd, yeah, like like, a, yeah. like the English Patient, only not excruciatingly boring. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, his his life has been super super interesting. My dad is mm. a uh, an unbelievable human being, and I don't know. Maybe everybody thinks that about their dad, uh, or maybe not. I don't know, but. He, so when he was young, uh, he was, he's German. I'm first generation born in Canada. So he was born in Germany and lived there during the Second World War. And, um, you know, I, there, I have so many stories from him. But this particular one, so um, he was, you know, at a certain age, the kids were taken away from their families, the German children, because they were uh, being moved uh, for their safety uh to a certain place basically it was like they were it was like vito corleone was the state and he was giving you an offer right (laughs) yeah yeah exactly right so he he was he was made like he was being groomed to to get dropped into the hitler youth group right because Mm. even though his nobody knew his mom uh, was jewish because that was just a hidden thing right like they just hid that fact uh for survival i don't think of that caveat yeah her last name is zolomon she wasn't practicing But if mm. your last name was Zolomon in uh, Nazi Germany, you didn't do well, right? No. So he, they hid that fact. There, we only have two paintings that were done by her family left. Uh, everything else was just mm. gotten rid of. Um, so yeah. it couldn't be found. They hid those well enough that they could keep them. But um, so they take the kids away, right? Him and his sister were both taken away. She was taken away to the where the girls go. He was taken where the, where the boys go. And that was in Prague, right? They, where their Hitler youth camp was, wasn't it? Well, that's where they took them to. So they took okay. them down to Prague. Yeah. And they were um, just marching them from place to place. And it was like, it was basically like he was a 14 year old in boot camp. is the way I would describe it. No. One thing your dad said to me about that marching that really stuck with me was that um, because the boys and the girls didn't interact. And yep. so I don't know how frequent it was, but one, once a day, once a week, whenever it was, when they were marching through the town square, they had a brief moment where their eyes would dart and they catch each other's eyes as they marched 
uh, like away from one another. Yeah, they were, and that was kind of like, like yeah. this, right? Like, it's almost ships passing in the night, kind of. That's right. right. Yeah, but, which which by the way is incredibly sad and confusing if you're if you're in that situation. And right? you're 14 like, years old. Think yeah, and you got to look out for your little sister, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was his yeah. big sister. His sister is older, but um, oh, okay. But but still, like he said, we in that in that moment, he said we were so careful not to pay mm. too much attention to each other because we just didn't want people to know that we knew each other. Yeah. So just like that is powerful. Like that is like yeah, it's heartbreaking. And so when one night. When like they would sleep in the weirdest places, right? Because they were just a troop of kids walking down the road, and um, they were one night they stayed at a farm. They would just go to the farmer and say, "Hey, we got a troop of uh, young kids, and we're gonna we're gonna stay in your barn. All the kids are gonna sleep in the barn." So the kids just slept on the ground in the barn, right? Hmm. And in the middle were of they the teach night- was that occupying class like what was that yeah yeah what were they doing yeah well they were they were just they were getting i didn't realize they didn't have barracks i imagine like the hitler youth camp with barracks for boys and barracks for girls yeah that kind of stuff yeah and imagine they would have eventually gotten there once they were once he was put into hitler youth because he wasn't quite old enough right so they would march them around and and the one night that they stayed in this in this thing it's not like you know they didn't go to the farmer and say hey do you mind if we they're just like hey these like you know these kids are gonna sleep here tonight in your barn so they sleeping in the barn and my dad uh has always been a little bit of a like maybe he was a bit of a punk you know he's a bit of a rebel and he had this idea that they would escape and he managed to talk a few other guys into escaping a few other young men that he was with. Mm. And they were going to, this was also late in the war though, too. Right. Yes. Like, it was, yes. was it the, your dad, I remember your dad telling me that there was some, like, like you could tell that the allies were doing well and the, and German and like, there were less German soldiers around in that area than before. Yeah. And I think I remember him saying at that point, the time they decided to escape, there was like one guard left or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. There was yeah. not as many soldiers left, but what they were, what Hitler ended up doing was he was like taking 14 year old kids and going, take this gun, go to the front and just basically throwing humans at the problem that he was having. Um, and so my dad was like, I, I just, I want to be with my mom and dad, like a, like any 14 year old would do. And yeah. he decided that he was going to just leave. And his, you know, the people he talked into it were like, uh, I don't know, man, Rudy, this seems like an insane idea. Well, it's, back then they would have probably called him Carl. And so they, they, they random. Well, well his name, Rudy, this is a really bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, also his nickname is Carl. No, no, his real like... name is Carl. His his full name oh, okay. is Carl Otto Rudolphus. So, but he went by Rudy when he came to Canada. So, that what mm. they would do is they would they they would like be sleeping in the thing, and then in the middle of the night, I guess soldiers are like the guards and whatnot are outside. You know, probably I would imagine drinking, playing cards, smoking, or... and laughing about their hatred of Jews. Probably, yeah, yeah, like... probably shit like that. <laughs> yeah. um, so they, he and his buddies in the middle of the night they climbed up into the rafters of this old barn and they laid down as straight as they could. And as, as, as silently as they could on the 12 by 12 beams that were going across the top and they wow. just laid there. And then the next morning when they, cause every morning they do roll call and they didn't answer. And so they were labeled as deserters and the company, the troop had to move on. And, and, you know, 
I don't know if they left a soldier behind to wait for them to see if they'd whatever, but they assumed that they were deserters. It was in 45. So it was like getting near the very end of the war. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, they stayed up there. They stayed up there that whole day and for the next night. And then the next, you know, you got to be careful when you lie in those beams near the roof, because um, a lot of those people end up, up as addicts. <laughs> yeah. That was your dad joke of the evening brought to you by. Addicts. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so he he stayed up there for like I think like two like the night that he climbed up, and then the next day, and then the next night, and then the next day, and then the next night when no soldiers were around, they left. Just right. imagine. You could have just said could have just said three. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But it's more dramatic. <laughs> then, the other way. I thought you I thought you were broken. Storyteller man. Did, did he have a stroke? And then the next day, and then the next day. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know. We said on a podcast recently that um, the only way to really explain the assassination of JFK with his head going back and to the left yeah. is that he had one last Tourette's sy- symptom before he died. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> and, and move into the bullet. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's so awesome. Ryan Lindley for the for the book. I hope I didn't bastardize it too bad. But sorry, go on. Uh, so so, but he started off in Prague-ish when he yeah, when yeah, he escaped. Right around, they, were, they were right around Prague, and then and then he walked. In, he walked to fucking Berlin. He walked to fucking Berlin from Prague. That's I why I came up with the title back. "Road Back to Berlin," I have which that is generic as fuck. Tattooed. That's like you can't oh, see it, but it's basically um, one time I tattooed a, the shape of Berlin, and and I put the path that he walked. I tattooed yeah. that on my arm as a little way to commemorate um, the thing that he went through. And so, when he tells this story, it's like he's there. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah. yeah. But when they walk back into Berlin and when they get there and what they see and like you know yeah, and the way like it's rubble everywhere, and they're they're it, you know they get to this thing and then. This is so insane to me that as they're walking, they're getting like his house was the furthest, I guess. It, it must be by the stories that I've heard from him. Uh, so you walk and then one kid turns down a road and he's gone. Never saw that kid again. And okay. then they get further and then another one goes down another road and another one. And then until he gets to his place and never, ever saw those people again. Never, never, never. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And yeah, six six weeks, and, man. Six weeks, and they ate the only. They ate. They robbed like uh, root cellars and stuff, right? Yeah. Like they they took modest food. He he made a point to mention your dad is such a great storyteller, by the way. Like I, I don't really know if he's is. done. Yeah, I don't know if he's done writing or whatever, but he knows the right formula Dude, to started, get you he never, excited. He never finished high school because the Dude, war. Dude, I love it. I love it. I'm a he's high school great. graduate, and I'm not as smart as your dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um. But but he's like but he's me he's like um because he, he did mention the egg thing and then he also mentioned salami and cheese specifically right oh, like yeah. that he would get from Rusa and then when he got back to Berlin he said that when he turned onto his street um most of the houses were pretty dilapidated but his looked pretty good and when they got back they they went they walked originally to the backyard or, or at first to the back area or whatever. and um they were basically in the middle of a very small modest celebration of the sisters birthday and they were eating salami and cheese yeah which is what sustained their lives as they walked from prague to berlin yeah so yeah so they were eating uh so yeah he arrived on june 1st 1945 which was his sister's birthday and they were having a little thing and there was cheese and bread and he had stolen 
and not even told the guys he was with because he wanted it for his family when he got home. He had stolen a salami, mm. like a, wow. like a you know like a wrapped salami. He never ate it. He could have ate it while he was on the thing. He didn't eat it. Instead, he chose, he wasn't Italian. Like poking poking holes in eggs and just sucking the raw egg out with his uh, oh, wow. like that's what he ate most of the time. And and also he said there were certain kind of sticks. He re- mentioned a certain kind of tree that. And when you were really hungry, if you chewed on it, it created saliva and that went down your throat and then it kind of satiated <laughs> you a little bit. Like, oh, so you ate stick. Amazing. Like bark. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like bark and like, like the shoots, right? Like the, like the young shoots on the, on the thing. And it was. See, it was I, I would have come in handy during that trip. I would have come in, I, you know, yeah. I was a good. And when, when push came to shove and I had no choice and I had to go to the store and, and, and shoplift a meal or else I would go hungry. Um, I realized that you don't have to shoplift really cheap shit. <laughs> no, you can you can shoplift a. Uh, a I always a, ate like a king. Too. Whenever I, whenever I had no money, I would like, uh, James, where'd you get all those t bones? Oh, I'm broke, so I had to go to the grocery store and get my meal <laughs> in a nefarious way. <laughs> and I didn't steal the pan. The, I didn't steal the fast fry. Okay, <laughs> like yeah. what do you want? It's the yeah, one. But- uh, you know, it's the one like quality. It, it's the only thing that you can be proud of yourself. As you feel shame for stealing, is that well? At least I gave myself something nice. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it was like, uh, yeah. and and then the first thing that they did, I would I, like the way he tells it, before a hug from his parents that he hasn't seen for so long, and he just spent six weeks walking home to get to them. The first thing his father did was stand him in the middle of the yard, strip him naked because he had fleas and he had lice and he had like bugs all like because you know like that there's no you don't you don't get clean when you're walking yeah. for six weeks and you smell like lamb which just makes you more hungry yeah right? exactly and he just hosed him down with cold water and, and like scrubbed him <laughs> with a rough brush and like cleaned him in that moment that's, like that's such a 40s dad thing to do. <laughs> isn't it i'm glad you're like, alive hold still Hold still. I'm going to scrub you with this horsehair brush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was yeah. just like, and my dad has such amazing stories. That's just one of them. You know, yeah. That's just one. There's details throughout one. I should say, because I think it is so cool. Um, when he was traveling, he, they, 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 one time they were so desperate. They knocked on a door. And we're going to ask for food. And the family brought them inside and fed them stew. Like they had a meal, like a real meal. Oh, wow. It must have been really special. And he always says he never really talks about the food that he ate in that moment or what, like how great it was. He doesn't really ever talk about that. He talks about the table that the man made for his family. This farmer made a table and it was oh, like... Wow piece of wood that was like eight inches thick and the size of a family table and the bowls were carved right out of the wood so that just had these divots in it oh, and they just scooped the neat. stew into the divots and they ate out of the divots in the wood oh that's cool yeah that's interesting yeah. pretty neat eh like just a such a different world back then like oh god that just yeah, I, I, yeah. I often think about what he like he's 90 He's he's in his words he's ninety fucking two now, he's gonna be ninety fucking three in uh, August, and he uh, 
he's still in quite great shape. Still walks up and down the stairs, or, you know, goes, mm. walks to the coffee shop, all that kind of stuff. Um, but like he, um, oh Jesus, I just lost my train of thought. Help me. Up. He's ninety-two. He's ninety-two. He's uh, he's doing well. He walks upstairs. Good stories. Yeah, he does have great stories. Oh God, I can't <laughs> believe that happened. I should have, yeah. should have had less whiskey, maybe. Oh, my God. Was that a working example of what you were going to say about his uh, current mental condition? Actually, maybe it's a f- that this that's the harbinger right there, right? Wow, that's foreshadowing, but not the kind you want. No, man. I don't want it, no. <laughs> so he's um, he's he's uh, been diagnosed with, like, some early onset dementia at 92. Mm-hmm. Like, it just happened at 91 and a half when... We started noticing he was kind of forgetting things a little bit. But the weird thing is, is if you called him right now, he would tell you that story I told you in his fashion. Jesus, you should get him on here. Oh, my God. And oh, my God. I would totally get him on. Yeah. I, I would totally, I, honestly. I, yeah, we could maybe do it. We could maybe do it. Oh, I would. Yeah. Just, that would. Um, and, and, and you record it. Right. So I would have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, my God. I'm going to start crying. Yeah, I would only charge you like 19 19- 95 for a copy of that, Paul. Like, seriously. I'd pay anything for that. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we, maybe maybe we, we should talk about that. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Uh, get him and Julie um, Black on the same show. That would be really interesting. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would totally be accused of trying to give an old man a last uh, controversial wish or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Julie Black, this is a dirty old man. <laughs> well, so he's, like, forgetting some things. But if you asked him about this story that I just told he would tell you that story without any mistakes, no mistakes. He doesn't yeah. seem to forget things from long ago. He knows who I am. He knows who he asks how Shepard and Georgia, my children are doing all that stuff. But He's, like, for some reason, like from what I remember your dad, and I do remember him well, I, I think, but I, I could totally be wrong about what I'm about to say, but I, I kind of feel like he's the type of dude where at the very beginning of a, a health problem like, like that, he might, um, insert his condition in jokes here and there all the time yeah i i thought your time, name my mom was, was like med- he, i think he's faking yeah. it paul i think he's fucking yeah. with me. he's just, he, with your mom he's just role-playing i got another one in before we go <laughs> yeah no your name is carol fine it's carol <laughs> <laughs> yeah he does like in the very beginning seriously that's how it started for my mom she was like I don't know. He says he doesn't remember that we went to this place yesterday, but I, I seriously, I think he's fucking with me because he's been so like so sharp for so long. And it's like, it was rather sudden. Right. But yeah, I'll watch a TV show with him. Like I went to his place to watch the world cup with him because we mm-hmm. both like soccer and why not hang out with him for like 10 days and watch the whole thing together. Just despite the fact that you just put the accent on world instead of cup, I'll let that slide, but go ahead. Yeah. Big fan of soccer. Cup. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we like, you know, it was amazing, but he wouldn't remember one match to the next. Like we'd watch a match, you know, when they're, when they're like three in a day, you'd watch one at five and at 11 and then at six or whatever it was. Cause it was happening in Qatar. So uh, mm. he would not remember who won. I'd have to keep reminding him of that. So new things don't stick. But old right, things okay. are all still there. Now, because maybe because I'm a weirdo or maybe because I'm fascinated a little bit, morbidly fascinated with how that can happen, I will take him bird watching because he got me into it. So I still take him bird watching. Oh. So we went bird watching the last time I was at his place and I specifically took him to see um, 
a uh, some stormwater ponds that I knew had like five thousand snow geese on them, and that's like a, a kerfuffle. It's like a cacophony of sound, and you know all this honking, and it's really loud, and it, it's very yeah. memorable. So I went and I took him there, and he was like, "Oh my." god this is so cool oh my i'm so blown away by what i'm looking at right now and then i took him to see an owl that i knew of that was hiding out in a tree and again it was like oh my goodness it's so beautiful a little red screech owl is so lovely and all this kind of stuff and then i took him to see a gull like like a, a specific species of gull which looks like every other gull except one little thing about it that makes it a special <laughs> thing that's from Siberia or some shit. And everybody gets, birders all get excited about it. I don't get as excited about that. I the Canada 1976 Expo stamp has a different font. Yeah, like that's one of those <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, yeah. It's that kind of a situation. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, that's a crescent-colored white tip to the wings. It's like, so we, we, get to, we get back home and we have dinner, and then I just, like, ask him nonchalantly, so do you know where we went today? And he was like, well, we went to look at birds, right? I was like, yeah, yeah, we totally went and look at birds. Do you remember what we saw? Tell me what we saw. And he said, uh, well, we saw the pond with all the geese. That was amazing. And then he would tell my mom about that story because it would like trigger all the stuff. Right. Because it, was, yeah. it was like more remarkable. So he remembered. And then I said, what else? And he's like, oh, that little owl where you showed that. You lowered your scope to the ground. You let that little boy look through it. And his parents were so happy. That He's he so good at detail. He was always really good at details. Yeah, like, that's like, what, his stories were really cool. Like he, he would pause for a moment and talk about like, you know, like the, uh, I'm just making this off the top of my head, but he's one of those guys that like, when he's talking about him and his sister walking home from Prague to Berlin, that he would stop and be like, I remember walking for about a day and all we could smell was hickory or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and all of a sudden you're like, this is why it's a movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, and then I said, anything else? And he's like, mm, not that I remember. I said, do you remember the gull? He's like, mm, I don't remember that. So the gull was super far away. Say things like try to get him to say, things, man, you know, just like, so, <laughs> so he can rely on the jokes. Maybe the jokes will sustain him longer yeah, i don't know i'm just kidding i'm just kidding it's an interesting and sad um kind of kind of thing i i, I was telling you earlier today also that i i because i've been working at a library part-time for like, like six years yeah. and like 10 percent of the patrons that come there um are like 60 percent are seniors and 10 percent of those are are have type some type of dementia yeah and so i've, I've had this sort of front row seat of, of of what it's like and some people manage it better than others um you know some people i have the same conversation six times in five minutes yep you know yeah um you're still you're, you're but i have to joke with them right and so she's like yeah. the british the british mystery author and i know who she's talking about and i'm just like james bond and she's like <laughs> no you right and like agatha christie she's like yes and i'm like how about that one in your hand she's like oh you know, and then, and then like the next time she comes and, you know, she can't cross the street. And so like, I have to pretend that like, I'm not really helping her that like, you know, my shoes are bad for the ice and I might slip. Can she help me cross the street? Right. Like, and it's, and it's weird because I've watched them fade away and then I'm just like put myself in the family's position. And it's like, and they all kind of say the same thing. They all kind of say, you take what you get and you try to love as much as you, as you can that's familiar. 
and you and you realize that you know that they're just that they're going and they almost think it's almost like a relief sometimes when they go because yeah. now they don't have to be confused and now you know and it's it's a really profound place to be it must be interesting with your dad because he's such a great communicator you know like yeah yeah it is really interesting and and i'm like i'm sad about it there's no doubt i'm really sad about the fact that it's happening and i probably i'm I'm more worried about my mom than my dad because my mom is 21 years younger than my dad um good guy um yeah well done dad yeah. i didn't realize that yeah now he's a stud to top it all off Jesus. yeah i know and wait till you wait till you find out i should have sent you that picture i don't know maybe i can find it when we're on the call but he also was one of the best sharpshooters in all of north america like a like rifle long range rifle moving target oh wow yeah yeah i like, don't know wow yeah well like when the whole i don't know i don't know if i should say this on he, you're lucky he didn't steal rachel from you that he's so cool you know <laughs> oh oh yeah he's like the coolest guy every every year on his birthday i post that this picture of him that was in the newspaper when i was a kid and it's him with his get up and his like long range scope rifle gun or uh, rifle and everything and i always have to say the same thing i am never going to be as cool as my father i am never going to wow. be as cool as my father and that i'm okay with that I've settled with it. It's not going to happen. You're so fortunate. And I mean that like, I'm, I'm so happy for you. You know, like the, if you look at, uh, if I look at all the people that I grew up with, um, all the ones that have bad lives had bad fathers, every single one of them, either fathers weren't there or they were bad. And uh, it's such a, like, you know, it's, uh, that's why, you know, is, you know, it's, it's, it's something I didn't really have, you know that. Like I didn't really. I, my dad was like, he said like six words in the nineties, right? Yeah, <laughs> something like something like that, right? Yeah, it's almost like he lost the contest. <laughs> What's that? He was pretty reserved when I knew him. He didn't say a whole lot to me either. No, he he talking was like, um, you know, shoving a cheese grater up your ass. That's that that's how he felt about talking. Um, you know, if he if there was no one home and he wanted a pizza, he wouldn't order it. <laughs> you know, pray for one. <laughs> yeah but anyways um your dad your dad um you know uh obviously was a really great dad and uh and i think that maybe that that must be cushioning the blow for all of you yeah in a way i, I think it is yeah i mean my sister's a little closer I, I call him every week so we we talk quite regularly um he doesn't forget the kids he doesn't forget me he always says oh my goodness paul it was so nice to hear your voice i always love talking to you and yeah. um yeah i just I just let him go. I'll ask a thing and just let him go and I'll just listen to it. His voice is very soothing to me now. Yeah. As an adult. No, it totally as, is. You know, as a youngster, it was that cheese grater in the ass thing. But like now, <laughs> it's like one of the. I tried to be eloquent. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, <laughs> one, of the, all I, all I it's one of the most soothing sounds I have is just hearing him talk to me. So I really, yeah. really love that. And, and I, I know this. I hope like people sometimes maybe think this is a little callous, but you know, there's lots of people that I know whose family members have had dementia and it started at 70 and they died at 80 and they didn't even know who their kids were yeah. last seven years of it. And you know, when, when you, when you begin to get the earliest stages of that at 92, like, I mean, uh, under under remarkable circumstances, he'll be here till 100. But I don't think that's the case. Like, if I have to be honest with myself, I think mm -hmm. I've probably got maybe four or five more years. 
with him. And yeah. as much as that, uh, sorry, it's like that's that's obviously emotional. Um, yeah. As much as that uh, hurts me, it's gonna be better for him because he'll never. I don't think he'll be around alive long enough to get to the point where he's nonstop confused and just like, mm. you know, like getting violent with my mom or any of that kind of shit. It's like, that's not going to, we're probably not going to get there. So I feel like uh, kind of blessed for that reason. Totally. Your dad is a lot better man than I am because if I found out that I had early onset dementia, I would just immediately start saying cunt as often as I wanted. <laughs> Well, he has said some, like, I remember, <laughs> I remember one time we're up, this was last summer, actually. So he, for his 90s, so we go up to Manitoulin Island for June and July and August, if we can, like, we just stay up there. We got, I built a cabin up there and we just stay up there. And, um, okay. And um, I, I just think that with, with that, we're, we're out there and he will do things like that where I go, oh, I wonder if that's like, is he just freer with being an asshole? But some man gets was sleeping in a chair at a yard sale and that guy got up and walked towards the house. And my dad just like hits me in the arm, just like does one of these and goes, that man shit himself. It's all over his fucking pants and too loud for sure. Too loud. And yeah. That guy knew about it and was embarrassed and was going to deal with it. And then he looks at me and he goes, and I bet you he's 25 years younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, like, and the guy with the shitty pants is like, I'm, I'm still right here, guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm still, yeah. And I'm I like, yeah, you. So you're telling me in your old age, you've never shit yourself. And he's like, not in public. <laughs> Man's got a point. You can't trust the fart in public. That's yeah. true. That's a rule. Yeah. Well, he's it's definitely wrong. Oh my God. I was, uh, I was, when I was at their house, this will be real quick. When I was at their house, I was working, I was on a call, like a business, like a Zoom call with clients and stuff. And mm. my dad was in the room with me. And he, I guess he farted <laughs> to this, like to this day, this was months ago, but to this day, I think, get some of my, I think they think it was me. <laughs> and you just took that for the team. I would never do that. Even for my father. No, no I told them well. my dad was sitting with me, so. Yeah, <laughs> but um, your dad can cut. I can manipulate this whole situation. Let's see if I can do this, even though I'm going against the universe here, which yeah. is Rachel. Sure. Um, I will definitely have your dad on, but Rachel has to come on the show and as well, like not on the same show, but on a totally different one. Yeah, yeah. You should talk to her about it. She might. I mean, she's <laughs> okay. I'll try. Unbelievable. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> tell her I'll do whatever she says. Yeah. <laughs> I, just tell her to wear the roll. Can she come in roller derby character? <laughs> oh, she hasn't done roller derby in a while. Once uh, she had injured herself once, and we were like, she was, she kind of went, oh Jesus, I got to be careful now. I can't do this anymore because I got children I got to look after. Yeah, um, she's the coolest chick in the game, as Jay Z likes to say about uh, Beyonce. But um, Rachel is one of the most amazing. Like you really did well, um, and kids are awesome. I'm really happy that you could come and join us, dude. We could probably talk forever. If you ever want to join me on a casual Friday, because yeah, you know it's Casual Friday. Let me know, yeah. um, and and I'll I'll send you a link, and uh, and we'll kick it again there because um yeah we could do this forever. It was really nice catching up. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, it's been a really it's been a really long while, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Um, and um, yeah, you're welcome back anytime, buddy. Say hi to the family. Yeah, on one. Hi, Rachel. My no, Can you hear me? No, that's my daughter Georgia. <laughs> She's just letting the dog out. So. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> Hi. That's my creaky old door. You want to see my beautiful daughter for a second? She's sure. Best man. She's so. Good. I remember when she was a baby, so I'm gonna feel really old as I see her. But yeah. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. My my sister's the reason you exist. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is this is my um, ex-wife's brother. <laughs> that's a perfect well done. that's a perfect 15 year old uh well done john hughes wrote wrote her dialogue that was perfect you know it was well done amazing all right buddy um so yeah we'll have uh we'll have the whole clan can come on um but yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll talk again soon and uh and thank you very much for coming to blackball i can't say that when when it's someone i know so well so thank you for coming buddy yeah, I appreciate thank it. you it was a real pleasure I had a good time Awesome. Have a good night. Um, that's Paul Riss. Um, that was really nice reconnecting with him. Um, he was in my life for like a decade, you know, and, uh, and it's good to see that he, um, that he's doing really well. It makes me happy. And um, I enjoyed talking about his dad. That was kind of a different show. And, uh, and I'm kind of happy about that. So tomorrow is casual Friday. Let me just, let me just take a look at the schedule here. So I don't get any of this incorrect. First, is casual Friday and Friday. Then on the seventh, I'm still going to book a show for the sixth. I don't have it yet. We have mayoral candidate in Toronto, Rob Davis. And from, do you remember uh, Queer as Folk? Hal Sparks is going to be on the show on Wednesday at 9 p.m. That's going to be dope. And then we have Michael Price, one of the main writers on The Simpsons, who's done, who's written, he actually corrected me the other day. He has been part of the writing team for hundreds of episodes. That could include things that could include things like script writing, things like that. But he's actually written like forty episodes or something like that. My bad. Um, he's only been involved in hundreds of episodes from a creative standpoint, but not in this way. It was really a writer thing for him to just like distinguish that, and I get why he did it. But it's still like because um, he said it in a way that was almost like you know humble about it. Um, dude, you've been involved creatively in hundreds of Simpsons episodes. Um, I can't wait to talk to him. And that's on March 13th. And until then, we'll see you next time on Black Ball. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. 
Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.